Well, thank you for the privilege of being with you again. It's wonderful to serve with these men and uh, to be able to come alongside of you. I'm greatly encouraged once again. Let's begin our time in prayer. Father in heaven, we come to you through Jesus Christ, for he is the chief shepherd of the sheep. He is your son and our savior, our mediator, our life, our hope, the bread from heaven. Feed us now, Lord, by your word. Grant us clarity of thought, bore out our ears, so that we may be like your servants, ears pierced against the door frame of your temple. Meet with us, we pray. Convict where necessary. Confirm. Most of all, confirm that we are your children by adoption. We pray this through Jesus, our Lord, and amen. Amen. All right. I'd like to point out the obvious to you, and that is this. Many things are revealing about about others. Uh, You can spend some time with people, and they all have tells. They all have indicators. Certain games you'll play, there'll be indications of something that's going on. In sports, there are indications as well. You can spend time with anyone here, which has already been happening, and I might tell a few stories about things. So here, here's, here's a line. Spend enough time with someone, listen to them, get to know them just a bit, and things will come out. Not everything, but some things. Not exhaustive, but a few things. And I would like to give you some examples. You know this. Biblically, the mouth speaks out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth, the heart isn't just pumping blood. It's pumping forth your words. It's your speech. So listen to what you say, even if it was just a moment ago, and we can find out something about the person. Uh, your habits. Things that you go back to over and over again, your habits. Deeds. What do you do? I know these are closely related. Uh, Proverbs 20.11 says that even a young man, even a child, is known by what he does. We could just spend some time around you. What is it that you do? Free time. How do you use your so-called free time? What kind of illustrations do you use? Spend time with someone and if they may use an illustration of a certain thing, you think, oh, they're wired in this way or they read these kinds of books or they're... Here's some other things that are revealing about you. These are indicators. Your odor. <laughs> um, whether you have body... Don't take notes on this. <laughs> Your body odor... <laughs> Breath, odor, foot odor. That, it's some, some, of you, some of you have been to Summer Sanctus. There's that building over there is filled with profound odor. And as I la- labeled it last year, to quote Mark Twain, that ain't no cinnamon. Now, um, foot odor can tell you quite a bit. Accents. Or, or, or dialects, whatever the differences are between those two things, that, that can tell. So that's it's not just the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart, the mouth also reveals sometimes where someone's from. The company you keep. 
or is even the first evening here, Pastor Booth alluded to this, the way you play games. Very revealing. And we've actually seen people come close together and break it off because of the way games are played. Haven't we? Right here, actually. It happened right here. (laughs) I didn't just, there was a table here. I I remember it. Okay, so those are some things that are revealing. All right, there's something else. Your attitudes are known. You think that they're really not that known? They, They are. We can... We can catch a whiff of your attitude, especially if you've been around the block a time or two. We can catch a whiff of a few other things, too. Uh, What's your attitude towards your parents? Spend a few moments speaking to someone, even the way that they'll refer to about of the past their parents. Your schooling, political parties. Your attitude towards your political parties. Your siblings, your friends. Your employer, your past, your present, even anticipations for the future. All of these things, your attitude reveals these things. Opportunities, fellow workers, your pastor. Your attitude toward your pastor is well known. It's knowable. Your teachers, your degree program, on and on and on. Okay, you get the idea, right? A number of things are revealing. So too with the church. Now the the topic of this time at Gloria Sancta is living a life that matters. And uh, we're going to be dealing with that. So we've already had some wonderful teaching. You've been challenged greatly. Your attitude toward the church is revealed by the way you speak of the church. Some of you have a lot to say about the church. Some of you don't have much to say about the church. The quantity or the lack thereof is revealing of your attitude toward the church. Your habits and your practices toward the church revealing as well. All of it's revealing. I have found over the years that someone's attitude about the church or someone's approach to the church is most revealing. So, here it is. Simple line. In building a life that matters, the church matters. In building a life that matters, The church matters. What's your view of the church? What place does the church have in your life? Before you go checking out, thinking this is another Sunday school talk, get ready. Some of you are men. Some of you are women. Some of you will become husbands. Some of you will become wives. Some of you will become fathers, mothers, What's your attitude toward the church now? Okay. Now, something, what, something you could say is this. I could ask, I could just stand up here in the bricks and say, talk to me about the church. Let your mouth speak out of that which fills your heart. Because I'm not around enough of you to see what your actions are regarding the church. But I can notice congregational demographics. I can notice when someone is snoozing off. I can notice where people sit. And movements thereof. Some people actually seem to think they have assigned seats in their particular pews or rows. I've heard that this is happening in a particular church. <laughs> and I'm thinking if I'm there in a Sunday or two, I might just say, everybody else, let's just shake it up. And if you start falling asleep, I'm just going to do that in here and say, come on, you let up, you let up, go back. The congregational uh, 
demographics or congregational geography is probably another way to phrase it. You can see what happens. It's not just where somebody sits, it's how they sit. <laughs> <laughs> Now, it's possible, uh, but some of you could say, if only you knew what my experiences were with the church. And I, I might say, hmm, if it wasn't gossip, tell me about it. Some of you have actually heard the experiences of other people, and then you've decided to pick up their water and carry it for a while. Oh, yeah, no, no, bad experience with yeah. You get all. Well, one of the privileges of being a pastor is, it's not just to... Experience the Lord's grace in my life. It's to watch the Lord's grace in other people's lives, and uh, we always give what we've been given. There have been times that someone has called me from years later and said, "Jeff, will, you know, I this, this, this to you. Will you forgive me?" And I said, "Brother, I can only give you what the Lord's given to me. Of course, I give you the grace that's been given to me." Your mouth will reveal what's in your heart when it comes to whatever it is you're speaking about, including the church. And yet, it is true, there are a lot of problems in the church. One of the privileges that we have, and matter of fact, every pastor in here, I have had some level of interaction with about church matters, a potential church plant matter, Potent, uh, members that we have known and shared over the years, counsel that has been given, wonderments and head scratchings about particular members on sessional phone calls. Uh, one of the privileges that we get to share in is participation in the work of the Lord. And over the years, um, I have had people submit a number of things to me uh, with regard to the church. And I'd like to, uh, here's a recent list. Uh, here's a list of issues which came from just one church. And uh, I have permission to share this. But there won't be anything specific. And I, and I don't know if any of you can relate to these things. These, these are things that happen in particular churches. Okay. Um, there's a problem in this particular church. This, it's all in one church. People in that church are not getting along. There seem to be uh, squabbles and fights. Um, differences of opinion that were growing stronger and stronger over the years and just seemed to take a life of their own and everyone seemed to have very good reasons for the opinions that they had and it just meant that people were getting suspicious of one another and of course people wonder should I even go to that church um, uh, this church happened to have a lot of sexual sins in it um, the person that was sharing this was not free from sin um, himself, but seemed to be concerned that there were people that, if you only knew what was going on in this church, if you knew what was going on behind the scenes or under the covers, uh, uh, for some people, uh, the, the fights were not simply 
at the fellowship meal, they decided, they, they became so severe that they took them outside of the fellowship hall, the parish hall, and they were fighting outside. There were other issues over the leaders in the church. Imagine that. Leaders in the church. Problems with... Um, Who's in charge around here? What makes that guy think that he's in charge? I'm not sure that I even like to follow. Uh, why do I have to do what so-and-so says to do? <sighs> Here's another one. You've probably never encountered this one in the church. Food issues. Food issues. Uh, dispute. Things. So what do we do about these food matters? People are fighting and squabbling over food matters. Some people were making strong statements about what should or shouldn't be done with food. And how dare you even put some of that out there in front of the rest of us. Because didn't you know... And that wasn't in the letter. Um, people had different diets. Some people ate some kind of food. Other people said that they wouldn't or they even said they couldn't eat that. Uh, testimonies? Um, there were issues uh, also in this church because the, the, there were different levels of maturity in the church. Uh, you could have said, and let me finish. It is likely that this is from lingering issues of people's pasts. Where they came from, where they are, where they're going. There were differences of opinion about marriage, about being single. Oh, preferences in worship. Why don't we do this? Or There were comments and concerns about the roles of men and the roles of women. There were even differing views on doctrine, theology. People are saying, well, that's a major matter, that's a minor matter, that's this. All of that's from just one that church, and if you had a friend that contacted you, says, I live in this particular region, you know of a church in the area. <laughs> do you? <laughs> they do this. Because <laughs> <laughs> the foot always has to be against the wall. And then when they get tired, the other one. <laughs> Would you recommend that church? Would you recommend that church? I would. Because that was the church in Corinth. What would you have said about that congregation? Not just a mess, a hot mess. Would you have blasted that church? Would you have torn them down? Would you have said to your friend... Stay clear of that church. When Paul and Sosthenes addressed the church in Corinth, writing to them, how did they refer to them? You are a mess. How can you even face yourselves in the mirror? Just pull the plug on that place. I'd like you to open your Bibles 
or your screens, preferably your Bibles, or share with someone next to you. Unless, of course, you're having issues with the person next to you, <laughs> at which time you really need to read 1 Corinthians, the Gospel of 1 Corinthians. I'd like us to join together. I'd like you to follow along as I read verses 1 through 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Ready? <coughs> Paul, called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sosthenes, our brother. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called saints, with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. They're set apart, they are saints, and they share in the communion all other Christians share. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this wonderful opening. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus that you were enriched in everything by Him in all speech and all knowledge even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you so that you come short in no gift eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who will also confirm you to the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ? God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen and amen. This is the word of the Lord. Keep your Bibles open and take a look. Paul has a very high view of the church, even the church in Corinth. Verse 2, they are set apart, they are saints, and they share, they are joined with all others who call on the Lord Jesus. Paul is thankful for them, for the grace that is given to them. You can only give what's been given to you. Sometimes we stumble in that. We all stumble in many ways, particularly with our speech. We sometimes stumble with our deeds. We sometimes stumble with our attitudes. But if God has given us grace, that's what we are to give to others. Paul is thankful for the Lord's work in their lives. The Lord's work is found in verses 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. The Lord has done this. So when you look at one another, when you elbow up against someone... Rath and Schmidt right there elbowing each other. <laughs> what is true? The Lord has worked this. He's enriched His church in everything, in speech and in knowledge. Don't go blaming the Lord. Christ's testimony is confirmed in them. Whose name do you bear? Do you bear it for good? Or do you bear it for ill? Verse 7, They are abundantly blessed coming short in no gift. What do you have that you do not receive? Are you being faithful with what you've already been given? Verse 8. They will be confirmed to the end. They will be blameless because of the Lord's work in them because, verse 9, God is faithful. Now, while we might be surprised by this, we must be instructed. How do you view the church? How do you view the church? Does the church matter? Is it kind of an afterthought? Kind of a 
big deal. I'll think about it. I grew up in it. I've really not put much thought into it. How do you speak of Christ's body? Are you quick to tear down others for whom Jesus died? Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that ministers should never be accusers of their congregations. Jared Wilson picked up that line in a recent book, and he said that congregants, disciples, pastors should never be accusers of, that, of their congregations because someone already has that job. Call Satan, the accuser of the brethren. Oh, but all the problems, there's a bunch of problems. Point, point. Accuse. We are instructed about the church that the church matters if we are ever going to live a life that matters. The church matters and our view, our attitude, and our approach to her is revealing. And I'm going to be probably the first one to admit that the church is very curious. The church is curious. I'm going to share with you some of the curiosities of the church right now, other than those that those of you, because huh. you're members of the church. Well, you know, we're not going to speak about the church visible or invisible. We're not going to speak about the church militant or triumphant, or the church historical or eschatological. We're going to talk about the church curious. Here are some curiosities of the church. Ready? The church is curious because the church gathers at set times. Usually in set places. The church is curious because the church is a gathering of ritual and ceremony. Now, you may say, these things aren't really curious. Well, it's, it's, other people do it and we'll think that's okay if they do it. If the military has ritual or ceremony or if my graduation has ritual or ceremony. But the church has ritual and ceremony. The church is curious because the church is a place where problems arise. There are certain widows being neglected in the daily distribution. What are we going to do about that? There are these two ladies named for all of history, named Iodia and Syntyche, Philippians 4.2. They have problems in the church. I need help with these dear ladies. They have been my fellow workers. They're dear ladies. Help them. The church is curious. It's a place where problems arise. And some people say, oh, the place, the place where problems arise, I'm not going to go there. If you're going to leave every place where problems arise, where are you going to go? Church is curious because the church is a place where sin is dealt with. Sin is acknowledged in the church. Go ahead and tell somebody that today. What do you do? What do some of you have as well? I go to church. Tell me about your church. We deal with sin. That's curious. By the way, I want to make a note about sin. Um, I can't find any place in the Bible where you're allowed to meditate upon the sins of others. I can't find that. Stop it. Quit it. Even the sins of your parents, the sins of your leaders... And you know what? So many of us get just, we get, we cycle down into, I don't know how many rings of some form of an inferno that ends with ice 
because you get frozen in it. By the time you get to the bottom of Dante there, there's a lake of ice, not a lake of fire. Everybody's going, that's weird. Well, you know why? It's because you've been so good at getting down there. The depth deeper you go in it, all of a sudden you get frozen in it. It becomes who you are. Some people are so adept, so skilled at meditating upon the sins of their spouse, the sins of their brother, their sister, their mom, their dad, their pastor, their elders, their deacons, that all of a sudden that's what they do. Reminds me of a C.S. Lewis analogy where so-and-so was a grumbler, and if they continued to be a grumbler, then they would become a grumble. How did they become a grumble? That's who I am. Church is curious because it's where your sin is dealt with. And you start with your own sin. This is one place where you can be egocentric. Start with the ego first. Start with yourself first. Start with your own sin. The church is curious because it's a place of teaching and preaching. This is quite weird. People sit down. It's weird every Sunday. Stand up and get ready to preach the word. And of course, we've been trembling in our preparation. and, and People are there. And, and then you can notice the way that they receive the word. You know if they have prayed ahead of time. You can, I mean, generally, you can tell. You, you know if they have gone through the scriptures, if they even pray. Well, may my heart be like fertile soil. You know, because here's the thing. Preaching and teaching is, is odd. And any... Uh, you can find something to criticize in every uh, offering, including this one. I didn't like his manners. I didn't like his examples. But but the, but the the prayer fueled, scripture saturated, capacious soul would be one that would say, "I I I've received the word. I've heard the word. That's good." Preaching and teaching is curious. We actually, shh, we listen. And then we hear the babies squall, and that's wonderful. We go, ah. Oh. You go, and you go, oh, okay, they're training child. Oh. <laughs> and, but it's, it's the sounds of our congregations. But people are mostly silent. This is an odd thing. You're sitting here. And a church is curious also because it's a place of the tithe. It's a place of the tithe. You, you, you do. Uh, what? Yeah, money is given. I, uh, the tithe is God's, and my other offerings are those things that I give because the Lord has blessed me. Because there's a distinction: the Lord's tithes and our offerings. And uh, uh, money is given. Money which belongs to the Lord, a portion is given back, and your loyalty is demonstrated. And as my dear friend over there says, everyone tithes. Question is to what or to whom? Everyone ties. Church is curious. It's a place of community and hospitality. The church is curious. The church is curious. The church is curious. Now, I'd like to point out one thing about the church. All right. All right. Every time. Every time I've encountered someone who has issues with the church, and it's commonly, I don't want to be part of the church, I don't want to join the church, or I'm going to criticize and ridicule the church, they usually have a problem 
or they have an issue with authority. It's either the authority of someone else or their own authority. Give me an example about authority. How do you spend your time? Is it even your time? How do you spend your money? Is it even your money? If I find someone who doesn't tithe, I think they have an issue with their own authority. Who's to tell me what to do with my money? <clears throat> what would you do if I... T- it's not your money. Hmm? Time. How do they spend their time? How do they anticipate the Lord's Day? How do they spend the Lord's Day? Here's the end. Authority issue. Don't tell me what to do. With. (laughs) That's right. All right. Observations. Based on that list that we just looked at, authority is a matter of who's in charge, who gets to say, and this trickles down to every other issue that is found in the church. And I'm just going to reference back to the list of that church that I referred to at the beginning of my talk, the church in Corinth. I think it's an authority issue here. Okay, here we are. Um, What does God say about who you are and who his church is? This might be a bit of a surprise to you, but the church, according to Paul to 1 Timothy, is the pillar and ground of the truth. Ephesians 2.22 The church is a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Do you view the church that way? Sometimes she doesn't look that way. Just look around. But here are the issues in the church. People not getting along. Hmm. People started to act like they were not in the same church. They seemed to be pitted against each other. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I am of Christ. I'm of Paul. I'm for the guy that planted this church because Paul planted the church. Well, I'm of Apollos because I love that intellectual powerhouse being able to carve and slice and dice and to deal with this. Paul's great, but Apollos is bringing us to the next level. I am of Cephas because he's actually walking. <laughs> now I tell you something about factionalism. The factionalism did not happen because of Paul and and Apollos and Cephas having disagreements. Paul was gifted in one way, Apollos was gifted in another way, and Cephas is gifted in another way. You know where factionalism always comes from? You. You. For somebody to say, you know, I really like this particular teacher. I'm listening all the time to hear Muzzy. Just the best podcast ever. Well, no, I really like this teacher because he presents things in a certain... You know who's creating factionalism? It's uh, Fred and Mary in the congregation. Or it's, it's the McGillicuddies on this side who listen to this particular teacher all the time. Or it's the... the, the whomever. I can't even make up a name. <laughs> Give me a name. Smith. Smith. <laughs> 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 Different Smiths. No. 
That's a, we're all Hattie. <laughs> and you realize something about factionalism? Everybody has good reasons for their views. You know what? I, I thank God for church planters. Thank God for church planters. I thank God for people that make me think in ways I have never thought about before. And I'm very thankful for people who who walked with Jesus and denied Him three times and were challenged by the Lord, do you love me three times? Why can't we stop back and give what's been given to us? How am I to view the servants of the Lord? Church in Corinth was factionalism. There, there was factionalism going on. Paul had to address it. Sexual sins were all over the place. You don't want to know why there are sexual sins? And we think this is only with abortion? Who are you to tell me what to do with my body? Who do you, who do you think you are? Uh, what does God say to do with your body? And then when you fall into sexual sin, what does God say to do about it then? But sexual sins are always a matter of authority, including lusts that do not break forth into activity. Those are matters of authority. I'm tired. I've had a hard week. I deserve this. Fights going public. Because some of the people in the church of Corinth were actually going to court. You're going to judge angels for crying in the morning. What are you doing? Settle things. You're the, you're the part of the church. You're, you're the dwelling place of God in the spirit. You're the pillar and the ground of the truth. You are people with unity present and a unity that's yet to come. And you can't even get along with each other. You know why? It's because you're so filled with your own authority. You didn't get your way and you continue to push it and push it and push it. This happens in a marriage and you know what happens? It's not just a matter of pushing. All of a sudden somebody says, you know what? had it or they just become trampled and I your pastor gets blamed for you know you can't unscramble the egg well, how come the pastor isn't done it's, it's why not rather be wrong Paul asks why not rather be wrong how is our Lord treated well, but I'm telling you what, what that person said, you ought to know what that person said. Who's in charge? Who is in charge? Not you. Food. Food. You know what the issue was? Food sacrificed to an idol. Uh, this person kind of has an approach to this food that is like, uh, they really think something about this food. And I, I really think we've got a lot to learn about food relations in the church today. But food issues are an authority issue as well. I'm not denying there are real food issues. I don't know why God created the lemon beans. Preach. I'm talking... But there were, there were food sacrificed to idols, church of Corinth. Can, can we even eat that? Paul's going, eat. Eat it. You know why? Because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. They say there are many gods, many lords. He says, we know there's one God and one Lord. And you eating that 
you drinking that frappuccino or that chicken sandwich made by the transgender person is not going to send you to hell. Why are we so whacked? And by the way, notice how this culture needs the gospel. I'm not going to eat there because those people are closed on Sunday. Thinking. So that's going to damage your person? The gospel is so much stronger than that. Paul is addressing this kind of idolatry in food. It's still present. What else? Different levels of maturity in the church. Yes. But a matter of authority says, how come they allow her to wear them clothes? Different levels of maturity in the church. People say, well, Jesus will take you just the way you are. I said, yes, and he's going to change you. In time. In in time. Um, I'm just going to rattle through this very quickly. There were offenses. People (laughs) Differences of opinion about marriage and being single, preferences in worship. Uh, Who's doing it? How come this is happening? How come this is not happening? Uh, Comments and concerns about the roles of men and women. Differing views of, of, theolo- of doctrine, theology in the church in Corinth, it was actually over the resurrection. Over the resurrection. Whew. Okay. Uh, you have some of your Bibles? Get, get ready. Every one of these issues could be potential uh, hot buttons of conflict. You know, I really didn't like the way that so-and-so did something. I'm going to take a side. You're, you're getting your authority in the way. I want you to stay in 1 Corinthians. Turn to chapter 11. I need to find it myself. Yeah. And I need to pull out and just scrabble the notes down from these other talks here. First Corinthians 11, uh, Paul has just given instructions about men's and women's roles. And we're, we're going to pick this up in verse 17. Follow along, please. Why does God allow conflicts among you? Why does God allow, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus, I'm a Cephas. Why does Paul allow our sinful selves to be involved in the church? I don't quite understand that. I don't know what's going on. Why did he do that? Why is that person in charge? Why are we fighting? Why are we going to court? Giving you these instructions, verse 17, I do not praise you. Since you come together not for the better, but for the worse. You're still coming together as a church, but you know what people are doing? Verse 18, for first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. Why would he say in part? Well, I've heard from Chloe's household what some of you are saying. There are people doing this and people doing this. Why just in part? Well, because he's wise to begin with, the Apostle Paul, but also because he knows something greater than what Chloe's household has told him. And that is, while there may be divisions among you, there's also a wondrous unity among you. You belong together. I'm going to remind you of something. You belong to Jesus Christ. We're going to be spending eternity together. We've got to stop condemning our Lord's other servants. We don't know everything that's going on. So Paul is actually saying, it's not just that there are some factions among you, you also have a glorious unity among you. You all belong to Jesus Christ. 
Now next verse. Verse 19. For there must also be factions among you. What? Why would God allow you two to get at odds or you two to have the hope? But let's be more serious about this. Why would God ever allow you to vent your sexual sinfulness and it, to create a rift? And Paul gives the answer here. The next lines are, so that those of you who are approved may be made evident. How do you respond to sin? Your sin. Or the sins of others that you're not meditating on. Why are conflicts allowed? Why does God allow you to bump up against one another? Because the person who isolates himself, Proverbs 18.1, seeks his own desire and is not Trinitarian at all. The Lord has been kind enough to place you into a body to shape you, to push you, to mold you, to bother you, to allow you to obey. How can you obey or bear with one another? Forgive one another unless you are having something to forbear with. That person did something that I need to forbear with. Or some, that person sinned against me and I get to give what's been given to me. I get to give grace, which is what forgiveness is. It's a grace giving. Hmm? Our society needs the gospel of 1 Corinthians. We are squabbling over sexual insanity. We live in a day of rampant, it's been called the decade of division. People are divided over race and immigration and politics and everything else. Division is an opportunity to show whether or not you're approved. Our society is marked by an absence of grace giving. There are new unpardonable sins. You can't even refer to race anymore or men's and women's roles or even the Bible without offending someone because people are, in their own authority, they're all offended. Send you an email now. <laughs> I think the day is coming, and it now is, when we're going to have to be well versed in First Corinthians because you will be the future leaders of the church and you will be dealing with the repentances of trans people. What does that look like? You will be dealing with people who have changed from particular food issues and maybe they were deeply involved in idolatry. And by the way, in our country, the less that Christ has shown lordship, the more we have seen the increase of Demonism. That used to be on the run. But as Christ's kingdom is established, and it is being established, you are the ones that are going to have to be well versed in 1 Corinthians. Why is it that 
Paul says with regard to those who know that they can eat meat sacrificed to an idol. He says that when you're sitting down with someone and they say, by the way, this was offered to the god Munga Munga Munga, um, and it troubles them, you know what, don't eat it for their sake. Why? Because your wisdom is to serve those who don't have wisdom. Your strength is to serve those who don't have strength. Your knowledge of Christ is to be able to serve those who are not as strong in Christ. So you're bringing people to maturity. Now, is it always an, a, an ongoing thing that you're never going to eat that best cut of meat that was up? No. But this is a way that we begin to view the body of Christ. Look what the Lord is doing. He's bringing these people, just as he cared for me and brought me along, and he's loving these people. And that person looks funny and has got... I'm going to stop there. In building a life that matters, the church matters. And the Lord in his kindness shapes us and trains us and and conforms us to the image of Christ in the body of Christ. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.